Hello and welcome to the Tower Hill Church Podcast. This is Marisa from the Tower Hill Production Team. Thanks so much for tuning in. And on behalf of all of us here at Tower Hill, we wish you a very happy and blessed Easter. We truly hope it was a good one for you this year. This week, since it is Easter, Pastor Jason is finishing off a series called Breaking News, the Gospel of Mark. For the last 10 weeks, of course, we've been discovering the book of Mark and that not all breaking news is bad news. And today it's the best news. So let's see how it all wraps up right now. It is such a blessing to be back this year, worshiping Easter together in this way. What a long couple of years to get us here. But praise God, we keep moving forward. We're going to celebrate the Lord together. And um, this is the end of a sermon series we've been doing, but I promise it'll make sense if you missed every one of them. Because we've looked at the whole gospel of Mark from beginning and now today to the end. And we've called it Breaking News. You all know Breaking News, right? It comes across your TV screen or your phone. It's usually like whatever is the most horrible thing that could happen in the world, it comes on. Breaking news, this just in. And don't the news outlets know it too? Oh, they love it. They love them some breaking news. They love to terrify us. Oh yeah, hey, uh, COVID, yeah, it's still a problem. And this new variant means we all need to get a new mask. Should look like this. Like we all... Like, everything's changed. Or like, this was my favorite from back in January, news report. A huge kilometer-wide asteroid will pass by Earth today. Thanks. Like, I needed that. Like, I don't have enough stress going on. I feel like this is one of my favorite memes from the interwebs. This one right here. This is fine. Everything's fine. You know, everything caving in around us. It feels like that, but... When we talk about breaking news today, and we talk about breaking news in the Gospel of Mark, we're reminded that sometimes there's such a good thing as good breaking news. Like, for example, the end of World War II, August 14th, 1945, we have achieved victory over our enemies. And what does this mean? It means that we are no longer at war, no longer having to send our children to die. There is now peace, and we can celebrate. And in fact, we talked about this early on, that the good breaking news of Jesus Christ is used in this term. The name, the word gospel, which means good news, comes from a word that means military victory. So it's, it's uh, the word that they would use when the emperor would send troops out and they'd come back, a messenger would come back and say, here's the good news, we've achieved victory. And Mark is using good news in this way. Victory over the enemy, the enemy of sin and death. And so he says, Jesus accomplished the ultimate victory that gives us the ultimate peace like no other. As we've read through Mark's gospel, we've also noticed that Jesus is different. He's different than any other religious idea or philosophy, even amongst what the Jewish people believed at the time. He's different. He is not the same as every other religious idea. Because that's the thing that we all sort of wish was true. It's like, aren't all religions basically saying the same thing? And again, if you want to look back a couple of weeks, we address this in more detail. But here's how Jesus is different. And I don't mean to disparage any other religious idea. I just want to show you the difference. And that's this. 
For many Christians, you know, we joked about Stairway to Heaven. I talked about Stairway to Heaven at the traditional service this morning. I was wondering if they were tracking with me. I think they were. I asked them. I asked them if they, if they knew the song. They did. They did. Who doesn't know Stairway to Heaven? It's the first song I learned how to play on guitar. Many of you guitarists out there, right? Yeah, you learned it early. Wayne's World, anyone? And no Stairway? Okay. We move on. But the idea is, is we make our faith in God like a stairway to heaven. It's like, well, if I do all the right things, then maybe God's going to love me. If I go to church enough times, if I give enough money, if I, if I love people and take care of my family, then I'm going to earn my way up, earn my way up the stairway, and I'll be right with God. God will love me if I do enough of the right things. Or, or my personal favorite. If I don't kill anybody, that's the best. I don't get it. I'm a good person. I don't ever killed anybody. I'm like, there's kind of a big gap between killing somebody and like everything else possible that could be bad. But, but it becomes something that we have to earn. And I want to tell you this right now, and I, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you were brought up in a church that made you feel like it's about what you do, that earns your way to God, or how you dress, that's all about your behavior, I'm sorry, because that is not the gospel. It's not. Here's why Jesus is different. Unlike any other religious idea, or religious figure, or system, Jesus is the only one that descended the stairway to us. He says, it's not about what you do to earn it. I earn it for you on the cross, and, your, and my forgiveness becomes yours if you accept it by grace. Totally different. Now, does Jesus still care about our behavior? Of course he does, but not for the reasons that you might think. He showed us in Mark's gospel there's a vast difference between religion and faith. Those are two different things. Jesus did not come to start another religion. That might sound weird for you to hear from a pastor. It's true. Religion is supposed to serve faith. But oftentimes, faith is, is sort of twisted. It's meant to serve religion. Religion hopefully puts you in an environment where you can cultivate a relationship with God. But if somehow it becomes above a relationship with God, it's got to go. It's got to get reordered. That doesn't work. I'll put it to you this way. Religion says, I obey, therefore God loves me. Faith says, God loves me, therefore I obey. I want to live the Christian life because I love God so much. I'm so thankful for what he did for me on the cross. I want to live the way that he taught me to live. Because I believe he knows a thing or two about what's going to help me to flourish in my life. Not flourish necessarily. Flourish from the inside out. Be the person God created me to be. I think the God of the universe who made me probably knows better than I do what I need for that to happen. Because isn't that what we're all chasing anyway? And we think we're going to get it when we get the job and we get the family and we get the car and we get the house and we do the upgrades. And, the, and it's all just very fleeting. Like it feels good for a minute. And then we're like, okay, what's next? Because it's not meant to satisfy us in that way, in the way that only Jesus can. 
I'll say this, and uh, my friends uh, who are in Bible study with me this week are going to laugh at me. Because we watched a Tim Keller sermon, and they said, oh yeah, you're probably going to steal from Tim Keller. Well, I am. <laughs> he said this. He said, if you're a skeptic, and listen, I mean, let's be real. Some of you were dragged here this morning, unwillingly. It's okay, I love you. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. But if you consider yourself a skeptic, first of all, I, I hope skeptics will always feel welcome here because aren't we all a little bit skeptic? This is the place. This is the place to learn and to grow. So welcome. But if you're a skeptic, let's say, for example, you got a letter from a formal uh, you know, lawyer firm. It's got like the seal on it and everything, and it said that you inherited a million dollars. You'd probably think it was a scam. But if it looked really official, you may like check it out. I think the impact of Jesus on our lives, the potential is so great. How can you not check it out? Jesus changed human history like no other figure, no other person. Shouldn't you at least investigate it? J. Warner Wallace, in his book, Person of Interest, he talks about the research that they did where they, they did a search on Google Books for, of every country, every author, every publisher, and they discovered that the second most books made from any person were on George Washington. I was surprised to learn that. I didn't think he was that. I mean, this is like a global database. George Washington, 58.4 million books written about George Washington in history. He's second place. You can guess the first. Jesus Christ, 109 million books. Twice as many as the next most. Listen, he is the most significant cultural impact of any person in human history. He has impacted art and architecture and law, politics, film, science, medicine. Absolutely every single field that we know has been touched by Jesus Christ isn't it worth investigating? For me, this morning, I'm going to explain to you why I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And we get there through our text, our final text in the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Of course, if you are familiar with the story and from other gospels, we, we realize that the stone was something very significant and heavy. It was meant to prevent anybody coming into the tomb and robbing it or trying to steal Jesus' body. It would have been a big task to try to move it. And they're thinking, how are we going to get there? How are we going to get to Jesus to prepare his body? Because we didn't have time when he died to prepare his body properly according to Jewish custom. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. <laughs> I just, sometimes I just love how it reads when it goes from another language to English. Because it's so anticlimactic, they were alarmed. <laughs> you think? I, like, 
They were freaking out. They like lost their minds. I don't know. They were alarmed. And I love the response. Don't be alarmed. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so very like witted. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's how Mark's gospel ends. It's very strange. What a weird ending. It's like we've been building up to this thing, and you end it with, they said nothing, they were afraid. In fact, if you look at some of you, I know you like to bring your own Bibles. If you have it, you may see, or if you go and check your Bible at home, you'll see that there's additional verses, like verses 9 through 20, that will be in italics or bracketed somehow. And that's later on, people tried to add on to the Gospel of Mark because they felt like it was too incomplete. It ended on a downer. They needed to, so like hundreds of years later, they added more, uh, but those weren't the original words of Mark. Weird, right? Why would you end it that way? We're going to get to that in a minute. But first, here are what I'm calling the three headlines of the breaking news that we see in this section of the Gospel of Mark. And the first is, he has risen, he is not here. This is why I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian because of the teachings of Jesus. I'm not. I mean, like, don't hear me wrong. I believe in the teachings of Jesus. But that's not why. I'm a Christian because of the resurrection. If Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, I am quitting. If, if somehow somebody proves, I don't, I don't know how they would, let's say somebody proves that the resurrection didn't happen, I'm out. And you should be too. This is a huge waste of time. The resurrection is everything because if he rose from the dead, I have to account for him. It means he is who he said he was. And he can do what he said he can do. And some of you, I know because I went through this process, I'm like, well, I don't, what, are the, what are like the people who think the resurrection didn't happen? What are their arguments? Here are the top three. Three best arguments that the resurrection did not happen, and they're in order. The first is, the women in their distress accidentally went to the wrong tomb. What a lovely view of the capability of women. Went to the, are you kidding me? Okay, fine. If they went to the wrong tomb, whose tomb was that? Because there was an angel there. We should probably figure out who that guy is. <laughs> went to the wrong, they were so upset. Oh, it's the other one sealed with the stone, with the Roman guards. That's the best one. And then there's two more. The disciples invented the resurrection, or hid the body somehow. Okay. Why then did they all die as martyrs believing that they had seen the risen Christ? They died as martyrs. Yeah, all of them. Wouldn't you, right before they hang you up, okay, okay, time out. All right, 
Oh, we're just goofing. We're, we're just goofing. Like, yeah, like we made it up. It was Peter. Like he had this idea. We thought it'd be cool. Like you would stop things if, if you were going to die for it, right? Would you die for a lie? No, of course not. Neither would they. Or it was somehow, well, Jesus didn't really die. He was just pretending. That's one of the art. He was kidding. He was fooling. He was a good actor. They had props. Made it look like he got stabbed in the heart with a spear by a Roman soldier. They were so good back then. And then to, to what end? To what end? The earliest people around Jesus' orbit experienced something that they just couldn't even explain. I mean, like, you saw the women's reaction. They were terrified. They didn't know what to do. And this event of the resurrection can happen in your heart today. It, it absolutely can. Because the power of the resurrection happens when we say yes to a life of faith. We are made new. We are a new creation. We experience what it's like to live differently. He is risen. And if he hasn't, we're all in big trouble. Okay. The second headline is prior rejection of Jesus does not disqualify you from following him now. There is not like, oh, I've rejected him too many times and I get disqualified. That'd be like, how many of you who are married, like if you would have given up when the first time you ever got rejected? No, of course not. Listen, I've been there, man. Sometimes it feels like you should give up or you give up for a season. But just because you rejected before doesn't mean you've given up and God has not given up on you. This is the crazy thing about God that I've noticed in my life. Maybe you can identify with this. It feels like I'll go like wandering my own way as I usually do over some dumb thing or I'll just, and I feel like God is right behind me the whole time in a very like loving presence just waiting for me to turn around. And, and it's like the, in the back of my head I know he's there even when I'm walking away from him. And then I get myself into trouble, and then lo and behold, my sin creates depression and anxiety and stress and whatever it creates. It messes up my circumstances, whatever it is. The beauty of the gospel, the headline of the breaking news, is that it's never too late. There is no last straw for God. All we have to do is turn around. He's right there. He always has been. Look at what he said. Look at what happens in this passage from Mark about the disciples and Peter. Remember? It says, but go tell his disciples and Peter. Why would he do that? It, it kind of doesn't make sense. Isn't that redundant? The disciples and He is a disciple. Well, here's why. Or here's one of the reasons why. It seems to speak to the love and forgiveness God has for Peter in spite of his dramatic denial. Remember? He denies him three times. I'll bet that if it didn't say, if the angel didn't say and Peter, Peter would have felt like he was not included. 
because after all, I denied him quite dramatically. So if he, if, he just, if he just said the disciples, he probably would have thought it wasn't him. Tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because he's still my disciple. Yes, he denied me. Yeah, it was kind of a mess. But it's for him too. And maybe some of you need to hear that this morning. It's for you too. And then third, and this gets to how his gospel ends this way, it's time to do something. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Why? Well, what was going on when this gospel was written was that people were in fear. Again, remember our time frame, within about 10 years, 60 to 69 AD, prior to the fall of Jerusalem, written for a community that was overtaken by fear. Why? Because there was violence between Jews and Gentiles at the time. Early church leaders were meeting violent ends already by the time, because remember, 30 years-ish after the resurrection, Mark was written, and within that time, there was persecution already of early church leaders that were being put to death. And they were scared to say anything about Jesus. So what Mark seems to be doing is he's, he's ending with a call to action. What would happen if those women never said anything ever? Now's not the time to be silent. Listen, remember the beginning of the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus accomplished the ultimate victory that changes everything. So why are you still scared? Don't be afraid. You've been called for such a time as this to live your life for the world to see that there is hope and there is faith and there is joy in Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, so many of us followers of Jesus have become lulled to sleep. And our world is starving for people to love them the way Jesus loves them. That's what we're called to do. It's kind of like, and some of you, you've heard me say this before, it's like DVR spirituality. That's what we need. Hang with me. I know that's not a DVR. It was the best picture I could find. <laughs> it's like a beta VHS. Um, say you're, you're watching your favorite team, favorite sports team, and you record the game ahead of time. And then before you get to watch it, you see the score, and you find out, you find out your team won. I always go back and watch the recording, when my team wins. When they lose, ah, 50-50. I always watch when they win. Why? Because I know how it ends before I sit down and watch it. So even when they screw things up, as they always do, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. I actually laugh it off like, ha, oh, I can't wait to see how they get out of this mess. Oh, that was stupid. It's, if I'm watching it live, I'm a mess. I'm a wreck. I'm pacing. It's terrible. It changes how I watch the game. Listen, this is the Christian life. We know how this thing ends. It ends in victory. It changes how we watch the game. We don't have to get so stressed and so fearful. The bad things happen, and listen, they hurt. doesn't mean we never feel, but it means that we don't go into despair. We always have hope because we know how it ends. It's like this morning, I'll end with this. Uh, this morning as I'm driving into church, it was kind of wild. I, I had the sun rising behind me that I could see in my rearview mirror. And I saw the moon. It was really big. I saw the moon right in front of me as it's descending. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't this the message of the cross? 
that yes, night is still here. It's still here. But because the light is here, it's rendered, it's rendered night completely powerless. It's full bright just because the sun has come up. Yes, yes, the moon is still there. Yes, night is still happening. But it has no power over us anymore because of what Jesus did on the cross. He is risen. And I pray that this Jesus who is so different will make you different too. Amen. Amen.